Hello, I'm Professor Nigel Adams, Director of the Buckingham Enterprise and Innovation Unit at the University of Buckingham. And you are listening to the fourth of our series of podcasts, which we're calling Entrepreneurs Podcasts. And who are these entrepreneurs? They're students on the Buckingham BSc Business Enterprise Program that started nearly 15 years ago. And uh, we're talking to a group of alumni who have been on the program at various times. And I'm very pleased to say we have the first young lady whose name is Beth Smith. And I'm going to ask her a few questions. and She'll probably talk to me about uh, asking us what we're doing as well nowadays because things have changed quite a lot in Buckingham. So Beth, um, a little bit of background please, because uh, we'd like to hear where you're from and how you ended up with us. Hi everyone, I'm Beth. I'm originally from Birmingham, um, but I've been living in Abu Dhabi for the last seven years, except for the two years that I came back to the UK to study in Buckingham. And um, I originally moved over to Abu Dhabi to be part of a synchronised swimming show. I did synchronised swimming growing up and once I finished competing I used my skills to perform at events and shows and for TV and movies and things like that and came over here as part of a show and then transferred into actually management in one of in the company that I worked for because I wanted to continue my career here but always dreamt of getting a degree and stumbled across the um, business enterprise degree at Buckingham so decided to move back home and study for two years and then I've come back over here since then and been living here ever since. That's very good and um, we were talking about your background and the involvement internationally and and also of course you were um, slightly older than the regular student and I think we talked about the fact that you had a, a Kingdom scholarship. Yes I did, I was very fortunate like you say Nigel, I wasn't the typical school leaver student age and um, I was a bit older as I'd already kind of found my way into the world of work unconventional world of work but the world of work nonetheless and um but still always dreamt of getting the degree because I, I, I always when I was growing up thought that I would go to university and get a degree but because I was doing sport to quite a high level I just didn't follow that, that path and never ended up going to university um but always knew that I wanted to get a degree at some point so fortunately I was able to be awarded a partial scholarship by Brian Kingham for some of my university fees which was what made it possible for me to resign from the job that I had and come back home and support myself for two years while I studied and got the degree that I'd always wanted. So yeah, I'll always be grateful to Brian Kingham for being able to provide the funds to help me get that degree that I've wanted all my life. Um, well, as you heard just before we started this conversation, Brian called me and in fact I mentioned to him and he was very pleased to hear that you were going to be on this podcast and I suggested he could listen because there'd be one or two other Kingham scholars, as you're called, who um, will be talking. So that's very good. Um, but now, um, you were interested in business enterprise. Well, why interest in starting your own business? Is this, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? No, absolutely not, actually. And I think that was one thing that made me a little bit different from a lot of the other students that um, find themselves on the business enterprise course at Buckingham. I grew up in a family of teachers and nurses and I've never actually as a child came across anybody who ran their own business to my memory. I mean, I suppose I probably did at times, but didn't understand enough to know that that's what they did. So I've never come into contact through family or close friends as a child with anybody who did anything other than work full time. Um, but growing up doing a sport that was um, a judged sport, it always frustrated me that it was something that other people were in control of your success because it was just dependent on the judge. It's not like a sprint where if you cross the line first, you're the winner and there's no debating it. 
it's based on a score that someone decides to give you and there'll always be some kind of you know subjectiveness in that and it frustrated me and that kind of transferred across to other areas of my life and I kind of decided that with the rest of my life I wanted to do something that I was more in control of and make sure that I was controlling my success or failure or you know how hard I had to work or what hours I had to work or everything like that and that's what triggered my interest in business enterprise when I was about 19 I think I first started thinking about it and then yeah I just got more and more interested in it and knew that if I were to go and do a degree I wanted it to be a degree in something that was transferable to real life and that was business enterprise to me. And, and how did you find us? Because I remember you were talking to us a few years before you actually joined us weren't you? No I think I was actually one of the last minute people to join from what I remember. Oh yeah, I think I was quite last minute, but the, the way I found you actually was because another September had come by and passed and I thought I still haven't gone back to university, you know, gone back to study and gone to university. And now I was thinking, gosh, if I do, if this is something I still want to do, because it was something that was always in the back of my mind, I need to wait kind of another year because I think it was about October, November time. And, um, and then so then I started searching for degrees with a January star. And that's actually how I found um the business enterprise course because i don't know if it's still the case but at that point you did an intake in january and it was two years which was way better for me because i had to take time out of my career to go and study mm. so three years was more of an inconvenience than two years and i didn't need the long summer break i just wanted to get my studies done and, and learn what i needed to learn and get the the degree that i wanted um so yeah that was how i actually found the business enterprise degree now a question to get you remembering something um what happened in your first few days at the university? Can you remember? I remember meeting a bunch of people that I thought, wow, I've never been in a group of people so varied and so interesting before. Um, I remember showing up on the first day and I landed back from Abu Dhabi the night before and I stayed living in Birmingham while I was um, studying in Buckingham and I landed in the middle of January, obviously, and I'd come from the desert where it was still about 27 degrees in January and got in my little Fiat 500 that I'd rented and had to drive on the snowy country lanes to find this university campus that I'd never been to before. And I remember driving there thinking, what on earth have I done? Is this what I should be doing? And by the time I left the first induction day thinking 100% for sure, I'm glad I got on that plane yesterday, flew back from Abu Dhabi, got in my car this morning and drove on the snowy M40 to be in this university today. So, yeah, I just remember thinking, OK, this is the right decision. What was it that made you feel like that? What is it about Buckingham or what is it about the people you met? I think it's, to be honest, the way that they thought. They just thought differently than, than a lot of people that you meet for considering, you know, I was a bit older and I'd done some other things than just go to school because of my age. But a lot of the people that go to university have come straight out of school or they've done school in a gap year and then they go to university. And I think that often, you know, that na narrows your thoughts, but you think a certain way because you've just not seen as much of the world or life or you've not necessarily had a job yet or, you know, those experiences. But the people that show up ready to do the business enterprise course quite often come from such varied backgrounds and like backgrounds of families that run business and and connection or they've already run businesses of their own from when they were young kids basically that that just means that they just think differently so the conversation is different and the the feeling and the reason for people being at university is different I never felt like anyone on our course was there just because they wanted a piece of paper 
they were genuinely interested in what we were studying and they could see how everything we were studied applied to real life. Nothing was just, let's just do this because we need to get points on our modules for our degree. It was all applicable to things that we all wanted to do in the future of our lives or we were doing while we were at university. Interesting. Um, it, it's, it's very similar to some other of the alumni have said. Um, and do you remember, the, uh, I'm sure you wish you remember all the people you work with, but what about the others? And, and as you said, it's quite a range. Can you remember any of them? Well, probably my two teammates, um, Jack and Rafi. We, I was really fortunate that we somehow landed on our feet and ended up in a group together from the very beginning. And I think we were one of the only groups that didn't have changes along the way of the two year journey of working together in a team. Um, so yeah, I, obviously I don't think I'll ever forget those two because they were such a big part of my um, experience at university. And then there was obviously the guy that goes by the name of Mayo, not through his choice, but more through our choice. But um, yeah, I'm still regularly in touch with Jack and Mayo and we catch up whenever I'm in the UK. And I went to see, I don't know if you've interviewed Jack yet, but he's opening a bar, actually I think on Sunday. Um, and I went to see it while he was building it in January and he showed me around and showed me what it had looked like and what he was doing to uh, transform it. So yeah, it's an interesting bunch of people to keep in touch with. Very interesting. Now you've got Jack into trouble because he promised he'd invite me to his opening, you see, and he's classifying me as far too old to go on. I, I shall have some fun with that. That's very good. Well, I've only seen it on Instagram. I haven't been given an official notification that it's opening. So maybe <laughs> check Instagram and your invite's on there now, uh, You can't get out of it now. You've done it now. That's, that's great fun. That's great fun. Um, so um, you talked uh, now about Jack and Rafi. I mean, how did you end up working together? Was it was it pretty quick, or um, how long did it take before you actually decided you were the three of you were going to work together? I would like to think it was pretty quick because it was like I say from the very beginning that we worked together. There were no changes of like you know one or the other of us was in a different group and then we swapped later on. However, actually, I think thinking back and if my memory is correct, a lot of the other groups were formed before our group. Um, and I think maybe all three of us were a little bit more calculating who we wanted to work with before we kind of jumped into things and then therefore came together and obviously lasted the duration. But yeah, so it was quick in that it was the first decision that we made. I never worked with anybody else and never changed group. But I don't know if I don't. We definitely weren't the first group to form. I remember like a couple of groups forming and thinking, OK, we need to figure out who we're going to work with. And then. I think initially it was me and Jack that said let's work together on something and then we both sort of said I think we should include Rafi and then Rafi approached us and it just kind of came together naturally I think. And what what was the what, do you remember the first things you tried to work on? Oh gosh I, I remember one was something to do with like homework diaries and I can't even remember what the exact idea was but I remember something to do with like luxury kind of exclusive feeling homework diaries for kids at school. I think that came from Rafi's um, experience with his dad's um, businesses, which were in education. From what I remember, again, a lot's happened since then, Nigel, so they might correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but um, you're, you're right, It's uh, that was one of the ones he, Rafi talked about, in fact. And, um, oh, really? yeah. and, and then, then what happened? What about the, 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 the real business you got into? Well, then we kind of we figured that the thing actually that all three of us had in common was that we were all had very active lifestyles and had grown up doing a lot of sport and being very active. 
and um, Rafi was very much into like going to the gym and had a lot of you know sportswear and stuff and I grew up obviously doing sports so I was just surrounded by sport kind of all my life and and Jack always was very athletic as well and had a lot of connections in different industries one of which was um, a close friend of his dad's who he was also close friends with who owned a um, t-shirt manufacturing company and did all sorts of screen printing and well, basically anything you could do to a t-shirt he could do to his, a t-shirt at his factory um, and um, I'm sure you've recently heard that Gymshark, I think this week, has been announced as now a billion pound company. And Gymshark back then, five years ago, we're talking now, I suppose, almost five years ago, was growing very quickly and been announced as the UK's fastest growing company, I think, um, but wasn't kind of as big as it is now. And we were very interested and fascinated by how quickly that business had got off the ground and was growing in what you would expect to be an industry that couldn't be interrupted because you would expect, you know, the Nikes and the Adidas and the Reeboks to always dominate. And here, this 19-year-old student from Birmingham had come along, not me, unfortunately, the Gymshark guy, um, and started a t-shirt business from his garage and was, um, by that point, the UK's fastest growing company. So we were just all really interested and fascinated by that and kind of wanted to learn more about it and see what we could do with that. So that's what geared us on, geared us on. You see what I did there? to start geared which was um a kind of athleisure brand was what we were, were going for like um functional fitness wear that was also fashionable do you remember the other thing that was special about your product um the other thing that was special about my product that it was modeled by raffi <laughs> nice try what about the bamboo idea Oh yeah, that's true. We we really wanted to go down the route of using ba the bamboo fabric to give us some a unique selling point. We did a lot of research into what the best fabrics were for uh, moisture wicking and um, the smell, because quite often gym wear and fitness clothing um, gets sweaty and wet and repeatedly and holds scent. And we did a lot of research into how we could create a product that was something different that we could offer. And we really wanted to go down the route of using um, a bamboo fabric just because of its natural properties um, it's hypoallergenic and it's moisture wicking and it's breathable and all sorts of really great qualities like that but the only issue with that at the time for us was that um, we would need to bespoke manufacture the t-shirts and have the fabric made to to be how we want it to be and obviously the minimum order quantities for those kind of things are higher than what we could wanted to do um, just to get started and to have a product to try to get off the ground so we get we steered away from that initially to get a product on the market before we got to the point of needing to have you know high minimum order quantities on products that had you know bespoke fabric that we wanted to design ourselves basically yeah that was an interesting. i remember you going down that bamboo route and trying your hardest and then every week when they're having our weekly meetings and you're getting nowhere and in the end i think i said we're not getting anywhere, are we? And I think you decided that that was not the right thing to do. Um, do you remember, this is really testing you because it was it three, four, five years back. Um, do you remember, what What do you think was your favourite moment at, whilst studying or being at Buckingham? The picture was great. The picture was what, what the first thing that made you think, yeah, like we're, we've got something here. Like not just the business or what our business idea was, but like as a team and the way that we worked and, and what we'd achieved with our business plan and the dynamic we had between the three of us. I still now look back and think, you know, that's, that was the biggest achievement to me was that we came together as a team of three people who'd never met each other before. We put together a business plan. We, we had a 
dynamic between the three of us where we I really felt like we completely trusted each other and we walked into the room and of course we were all nervous I mean well I know I was and I'm sure the, the guys were too um, but I think we also all had a sense of quiet confidence not just in ourselves but in each other and I remember yeah that day thinking okay um, we're, we're onto something here with the three of us working together like this is you know this is a good thing and we're lucky to kind of be in this with each other yeah, exactly. Um, and also, uh, you kept together, didn't you? I mean, I think there were sometimes some discussions, shall we say, but you did keep together. And it's also, um, it, it was in interesting how you uh, developed, as we saw you developing in that way, and you recognised it within yourselves as well. And I think that's that, that's quite amazing. Um, what happened then? You, you, you got the money, you got the support, and you started the business. And of course, you did this within four months of arriving at the university. So the, uh, the, the, the people around you were very young, weren't they? They were often 18, 19, some of them were not even 19. Um, <clears throat> what was it like with having all those people around you who were, who were very different? Did you find it, did you find it very different being slightly, I'm not emphasizing your age, but it was being slightly older. Um, to be honest, I really don't think I did. And I think part of that comes from, well, two things. I, prior to coming to Buckingham, when I was, how, I think I was maybe 19 or, no, maybe I was 20 or 21 when I went to the um, Peter Jones Enterprise Academy um, in Solihull in Birmingham. And again, that was a course that was more for, for people who just finished their GCSEs. But because I'd gone off into sport and stuff, I hadn't followed that path. And I stumbled across it when I was, was older. And so joined that course. And again, a lot of the people on the course were a bit younger than me. And then obviously I moved to the UAE where it's a country that's made up of something, I think it's something like 90 something percent expats now. So the variety of people, of cultures, of national, you know, of ages, of backgrounds and everything that you come into contact with and you work with on a daily basis and not just work with, but just in life. Um, I think that had set me up pretty well for our course because yes, there was a variety of ages and also there was a, a massive variety of, of nationalities and of backgrounds of, of the group that we studied together with. And I think that, to be honest, you asked me what my favourite moment was. And now thinking about it, if I could answer that question again, it's an, again, not a moment. But I think the variety of the people in that group of 14 or however many we were was just so interesting and so eclectic that it was just a laugh every single day because there was always someone doing something random or something you wouldn't expect. And the group just always came together to find something, you know, funny or amusing or... And yeah, just being with that group of people for two years was um, was a real highlight and a real, yeah, something that you'll you'll never forget. I think it's, it's uh, that again that is similar feeling to to Matthew said and and Rafi as well as you might imagine. Um, what about you know you go to university to to study and to learn? What do you think was the most the biggest learning point you gained from your time on business enterprise at Buckingham? I think, to be honest, for me, it was a confidence because I think coming from a background where I'd never been around people who'd started their own business before, I didn't have the same confidence. I, I wasn't as big a risk taker for, you know, to look at it from the, you know, the typical entrepreneurial sense as a lot of the others because they've grown up seeing their parents take those risks and, and seeing them succeed. So knowing there's that possibility of taking risks and succeeding and that and all of those things. But like I say, I'd grown up with a family of people who were teachers and nurses and, and those kind of careers where, you know, there's not so much risk involved because it's, it's, you know, there's just employment. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I think for me, it was the confidence in my own ability to to do something that's considered risky and make a success of it. I think that was the biggest learning for me was that that confidence in myself. You always used to say to us, Nigel, just beeping, do it. I'm sure you still say the same to your current students, but I think it was that attitude, that learning of like, stop thinking about it so much and just try it. And what's the worst that can happen? And if the worst thing happens, we figure out how to get over it and we carry on. Well, we still try and get that message across and um, it, it seems to work most times. Um, but I think I can call you a serial entrepreneur, even if you don't think you are one. Why do you think I'm saying that? There was other things that went on in your business activities. Yeah, and it's funny because just then when I was explaining that, was, that was what kind of what I had in my head. I um, was coming to the end of the first year of the course and was thinking, OK, I had some savings behind me from when I'd been working and I was using that to support myself and to pay you know, the remainder of my fees that I didn't, um, weren't covered by the scholarship. But I was coming towards the end of that first year and I had the whole second year ahead of me and I was thinking, hmm, I'm not sure if my funds are gonna last me long enough to get all the way to the end of the two years, what am I gonna do? So I started looking for some part-time work and you know, there were Christmas temp jobs at John Lewis that I got offered and things like that. But because I had a partner in the UAE and I was always traveling to see him as well to try and maintain my life here while I was also studying in the, in the UK, those things just weren't an option for me. So I was twiddling my thumbs thinking, what am I going to do? I need some extra cash, but where's it going to come from? And while aimlessly scrolling through Instagram, which you do sometimes when you're procrastinating as a student, um, I stumbled across a product that was big in America. Once I found it, I figured out it was getting big in America. And it was so simple. It was a piece of fabric with numbers printed on it. And it was used as a milestone blanket. And people would lie their babies on them and take photos of how old they were basically so you put something around the number one and the, the word months and it would show that the baby was one month old and you could do that as the baby grew and having had lots of friends and family had started having babies I knew how big the the gifting industry is especially when people have babies because everyone wants to buy something for a new baby and I also knew that I could then personalize this product and personalizing is still is and has been for a, a while now a big hook for people when buying gifts so I went down the rabbit hole of researching it and figured out that no one was actually selling them in the UK yet. And the only way to get one was to order one from the US, which ended up costing you about £45 for a piece of square fabric with numbers printed on it, which I thought was ludicrous. So um, I contacted multiple suppliers in China and went back and forth with them and decided to just take the leap and ordered, I think it was 300 was the minimum order quantity I could find that someone would give me. So I designed it all myself and designed a logo and built a website, a Shopify platform and everything and and um, sent my designs off to some factory in China and just hoped they weren't going to steal my money. I mean, it was on Alibaba, so there was an element of protection. Um, yeah, and a few months later, after multiple altercations with FedEx, I got my delivery of my 300 milestone blankets, which sold out within about three and a half months, I think, from what I can remember, with no marketing spend. So I was quite pleased with that and it bumped up my funds to keep me going through the rest of university. And you, you could have carried on with it and made even more money. I could have and I, I wanted to and I went back to my supplier to order a second um, batch but I think unfortunately and I'm sure other people have had similar experiences when you're a small fish ordering from a big factory in China if they get a bigger order in after your order you become very low on the priority list and the factory that had served me quite well for my first order were very unreliable for my second order. And after about, I think it was two and a half to three months of having had the order placed, there was still no sign of them being shipped. 
And by that point, I was coming closer and closer towards the end of the course. And I knew at the end of the course, I was going to move back to Abu Dhabi. So I didn't want them to arrive and then me be leaving the country and not able to sell them. So at that point, I asked them to refund me my money and because I didn't know if I was ever going to see the order anyway. So unfortunately, that was where it stopped. And I always kept it on the back burner. I actually still own the domain names for the business name because in the back of my head, I still think, oh, I quite like the little brand that I made with that and maybe I'll do something with it one day. So and still, there was quite a learning curve in that, wasn't there, as well? Yeah, there was a big learning curve. I um, First of all, I thought, oh, yeah, what I need is a, a, my own website. And I built this Shopify with my own website and my own you know, URL and everything and built my logo and brand and everything. Thinking, yeah, this is where I'm going to sell them. And then actually figured that the majority of that type of product was sold on Etsy because obviously it's a platform with so much traffic that already exists and people are searching for those sort of products. So I put my... Um, my milestone blankets on Etsy as well. And that ended up being where I sold probably about 90% of them, I would say. Mm. Um, and at one point, someone in America who was selling them um, lodged a legal complaint against me saying that they were patent pending for a milestone blanket. So I had to take mine down. But fortunately, obviously, I had the services of a fantastic law tutor mm. or lecturer who I quickly paid a visit to and explained to him the situation. He told me what to email back to the lady. I emailed it back to her and put my products back online and never heard from her again. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Good. Again, even more learning. It's, it's, it's amazing what you did. Um, well, now you, you've finished the, the, the business you started. Did you, go, you didn't quite make the level of Gymshark, though, did you? <laughs> Unfortunately, not quite. We're not quite a billion dollar, billion pound company by 2020 but we got a lot of learning out of it and i would say that for sure and i know the other two guys would agree with me we had a lot of fun and um so i think learning and fun is still a win um i would um, completely agree with you and i think that's, that's that's the great thing about bbe we do try and bring in well we bring in realism as you well know uh, but we also have a great deal of fun doing it. and we're still doing it as you might imagine well you know from the from the banter between christian and myself it's uh, it's not it's not going to change is it um but now uh, you then graduated and uh, you were very much oriented towards abu dhabi and you went back what happened then yeah, so I obviously all through university was thinking about what I'm going to do next, which I think most people do. And you have lots of conversations with your fellow students and your lecturers and what's going to be next. And I kind of knew I needed to come back to the UAE because my partner at the time and by the time I left university, we'd actually got engaged. So by then there wasn't really a choice. I had to, <laughs> had to come back here. But yeah, I also wanted to. And business over here is a little bit different because of the structure of the the country like you have to have a local sponsor so somebody who um, is of Emirati nationality has to own at least five percent of your business and and things like that so it's a, it's a lot more complicated and more difficult to just start a business out here when you're not from the country it's possible but it's not as straightforward and there's also the element of the fact that I don't want to be here forever at some point obviously we want to move back to Europe and settle down so I was umming and ahhing about what I was going to do next. Would I try and start a business here? And then I was fortunate enough that my um, one of my colleagues from where where I'd worked before I'd come back to study reached out and offered me a job that was just too good to be true. I just couldn't miss the opportunity um, to take the job and the learning that came with that. So, yeah, so I took that job and yeah. And then I did that job until last year when I um, had a baby. So I now have a 15 month old daughter. So, um, yeah, I took some time out of work to look after her. Maternity leave over here is six weeks. 
So unfortunately, I had to make a very difficult decision to resign because I really loved the job that I was doing. Um, but I chose to resign to spend a bit more than six weeks with my new baby. And then I was fortunate again, and I don't know how I always seem to be so lucky, that I got a call out of the blue in January from the same company again, offering me the opportunity to go back to work again, a level higher than what I was when I left to um, have my daughter. So again, it was a big decision because I just started thinking, okay, now I've settled into motherhood and I'll start looking again at like, do I want to do something for myself and start a business? And I'd started researching a few little bits and pieces and projects. And then I get this call again and it's like, here's a job for you. That's a bit too good to turn down. So yeah, that's what I'm doing now. I'm now head of events for Farrah Experiences, which is a company that operate three theme parks, um, Warner Brothers World, Abu Dhabi, Ferrari World, Abu Dhabi, and Yas Water World, which is um, a water park and the world's tallest um, indoor climbing wall and skydiving center, which we opened last year, which is called Climb. So I oversee all of the seasonal events and revenue generating events that happen at those facilities. And um, your use of what you learned at Buckingham, are you, I, can you honestly say it's been useful and can you give examples in your, in your, those two jobs or three jobs, you've had two or three jobs, a motherhood will be an interesting one, of course, but let's, let's also look at the, the two business jobs. Do you think your learning helped you? Without a single doubt in my mind, every single day it helped me. I mean, if for today, for example, I try to have one-to-ones with the, the team that I manage now on a by uh, every two weeks on a fortnightly basis. And I was having one-to-ones with them today and I hear myself saying things to some of them to try and you know help them develop their presenting skills or help them develop, you know, whatever it is that they, they need a bit of assistance with because I'm obviously always trying to develop the team that I work with in the same way that the people I work with try and develop me. And I hear myself saying things to them that are just straight from my learning at university and not only the stuff that I pass on to them but just I think the way that when you've done a degree like the business enterprise degree it, it genuinely changes the way that you think and I've had multiple people um, within the business that I now work in comment to me about the fact like oh you work in events or you work before I had the ba- my baby I was working in um, the entertainment section of Warner Brothers World so I was managing all the shows and characters and and things like that um, and people would say to me oh you think you have a very business orientated mindset for someone that works in entertainment because I'd always look at things from the, but is this making money or is this improving the guest experience or how is this contributing to the value that we provide for our guests? And I suppose like that come that mindset and that way of thinking comes from studying something like business enterprise. It's again quite interesting that it's not in a startup and it's in fact in a uh, it's a corporate what is it pretty big is it um, probably private company so turnover would not be released but is it in numbers of people employed obviously quite a lot I presume yeah I think it's probably about two and a half thousand maybe close to three thousand people so yes you are managing how are you um, you are managing how many people Now, at this point, I'm only I manage a team of five um, because the, my kind of scope of work has changed. So now I manage two people that are event managers. So my t- I'm head of events and then I have two event managers that report to me. And then I have an assistant manager and a team leader of events as well and a graphic designer that report to me. Um, but previously, when I went back after um, studying, I was managing a team of 95 had 30 um, actors and actresses like performers and then 50 something animators four team leaders and three assistant managers that all reported to me so yeah the the people skills that you learn from mixing with the sort of people that you mix with at Buckingham have helped me no end with you know managing big teams and managing a variety of people obviously the nature of the country that I live in 
all the people that I manage are from different nationalities where English isn't a first language and they come from different backgrounds and have different things going on in their life. And, and to me, that's just exactly the same as what it's like studying at Buckingham. And it's interesting you're saying the, the different cultures and the different approaches. And, and again, managing a group of actors and designers uh, must be quite challenging anyway. Well, uh, to be honest, I'd say that is what set me up for motherhood, managing a, uh, yeah, a team of 30 actors and actresses that sometimes can be needy, for want of a diplomatic way of phrasing it, um, was a very good preparation for having my own little mini human that relies on me. Well, yes, and, and 15 month old is great. Well, we, we, I have daughters and sons, as you know, and um, and both have uh, children that are have been obviously babies recently. And I do keep comparing some of the babies and toddlers with some of the uh, the business enterprise students. And I think you probably find at certain times of, the t of their, their, uh, their time in Buckingham, you can probably say that. And I think you'd probably agree, wouldn't you? I would agree. And I was probably one of them at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you should have known better. You should have known better. Um, but um, then looking back a bit more now, because I think we've gone through the where you are and how you got there. And, and, and again, again, thank you to Brian, and I, I will be telling you a bit more about that. Um, but it's 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 very much an interesting situation. But if you look back at yourself on that first day you were in the university, I don't know whether you can actually remember it, um, but. Uh, what would you now have said to yourself as a kind of um, a warning or an encouragement or something along those lines? Um, I think the first warning, and actually we were lucky enough that some of the second year students when we joined did kind of warn us anyway, so we did get this warning, was that the first term was quite like a gentle introduction and then the second term is 3,000 miles per hour, which is what you need because you need that kind of ease into it get your head around it and then hit the ground running because it's two years right so you need to get get into it and get get on with it quickly um so it was being prepared for that second term that comes around and it's intense quite quickly um and then i think the second thing would be that i would tell myself is to like in some ways not put so much pressure on myself and and take more time to actually appreciate the learning that i was doing because and i suppose probably this is always the case you always appreciate things more in hindsight but when I look back now on the learning that I did and, and the people that we were exposed to and the lecturers that we had, um, you realise now when you're, you know, like you say, you're working in a big corporate and you're coming into contact with all the different departments, you know, for example, today I was dealing with our legal team and drafting some terms and conditions for a new product that we're creating. And of course, when the legal team are coming back to me with what the terms and conditions need to look like, I have an understanding of why that is because of course we did two law modules in our degree and, and you never think, when you're doing that module oh in a couple of years i'll be creating a new product for a theme park and i'll need to understand why there needs to be terms and conditions you don't think that at the time that you're studying it but of course when you now look back and you realize the value of all that learning that you were doing you think gosh take time while you're doing the learning to fully appreciate how, just how valuable what you're doing really is again absolutely and, and often though it's it's difficult was sometimes to show students that what we're trying to get them through is sometimes they don't like doing some of the things and we say but suddenly sometimes you don't like things you have to do but we can assure you operations management was always the one people got fed up with but then people have come back and said if only i'd listened to james rowell a bit more well would you believe it i wrote an assignment for james rowell and it was about how we had to choose how a technology was, in, um, was influencing operations and management. 
And from my background, I wrote an assignment on um, how the Disney's magic band, which is an RFID wristband that they now use for ticketing and all sorts of things, was influencing their operations management. And I still, to this day, at work, when things come up to do with, you know, with COVID and everything, when we've been trying to figure out how we operate theme parks with social distancing and sanitizing and all of that, of course, Disney have this technology technology piece that cost them a billion dollars to roll out. So it's no nothing to be um, laughed at. But they have this technology piece that allows them to manage queue lines and all that sort of thing remotely. And now they're kind of set up for that with COVID. So I still now think of my operations management module when I'm literally managing operations in a in a theme park halfway around the world. So yeah, you just never know where the where the value's gonna come from from what you're learning at the time. But when you reflect, you can really see see, yeah, like I say, see the value in what it was that you were doing back then. Well, James, I know, and I'm still in touch with him, of course, and I think he'll be very pleased to hear that. It, I'm sure it'll boost him very much. Um, Beth, it's been very interesting talking to you and 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 your enthusiasm and uh, and obviously your motherhood now and all the different angles you're going on. Um, anything else that you'd like to say or to comment on or any other thoughts on? Uh, one of the things we're sad about is we don't get still enough students and and despite our efforts to promote the program it's still uh, we need more students because i think it can give a lot of people more any thoughts on how we could get the message across better um well one one thought that one you know i read something earlier today and i thought gosh and i've read it before and it's still one of those statistics that just always blows your mind no matter how many times you hear it or read it is that 65% of kids that go into school now, that are starting school now, will end up doing a job that doesn't even exist yet. And, and my thought on that is that a degree like business enterprise that's so real life and it's kind of a, an ever-changing and it's always up-to-date degree because it's what you make of it. The learning is, the academic part is the academic part, but it's, it's law and it's accounting and it's things like that that you need to know in life always. But then the, the rest of it, the practical side of it, you know, the businesses that you start and the research you do and how you choose to do your marketing and all of that sort of thing that you do is always current because it's what you choose to do with it, right? So if you study in 2030 and you do your market research in 2030, your degree is going to be current. So to me, that's the, the biggest sell for, for doing a degree in business enterprise, which is so real life and so applicable to everything that you do is that no matter what your job is going to be and like you know a lot everyone that goes on the course wants to run their own business that's why they go on the course and since i've graduated i haven't started a business yet because of how things have have panned out for me and i've been very fortunate like i say to be offered employment opportunities that i haven't wanted to turn down and i'm still learning from but i apply the learning that i've done every single day in those jobs and i don't think there's a job that i could go into where i wouldn't be able to apply those that learning so in answer to your question, Nigel, I don't know the answer to how you get more students, but I think the value in it for me and the biggest hook and like when I'm thinking about, you know, I've got a daughter now and what I'd like her to study and how I'd like her to develop her skills for life. You know, if I think when she starts school, the job that she was going to end up doing doesn't even exist. How can you be educated for that? You can't, right? You can't choose an education path for a job that doesn't exist yet. So the best thing you can do is set yourself up with the tools that enable you to critically think and have a an entrepreneurial approach to anything so that you can apply that learning to whatever you end up doing, even if it doesn't exist yet. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, those are the feelings we have. Um, uh, the, the tragedy is still the English school system doesn't have enough enterprise or entrepreneurship in it. And we're trying to do things about it, but it's very difficult, as you can imagine, because the exam culture and all those kinds. Of, it's the same with culture. It's the same. You you are very, you know, you, you do things with entertainment and culture and art are, are being lost in schools. But there we go. Um, but it's been marvellous. Uh, great time. We will continue to be in contact with you, of course, and um, we will be looking forward to seeing you back in UK one day. Um, but uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you for spending time away from your baby. And um, we wish you luck uh, in all the things you do. Thank you very much. It was lovely to chat. And yeah, I hope to keep in touch and I'll come by and visit whenever I'm next in the UK and see your new, your new building that I haven't seen yet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get more information about Buckingham Enterprise and Innovation Unit and our amazing students, please click on www.beiu.co.uk, where you can also find more podcasts.